Antioch Church. What a joy it is to be together with you guys on this day, on this Lord's Day, and also on this Father's Day. It, it really is a joy. I have a quick word that I want to share to the dads and to those who are dads and those who are, good morning, Roy, and to those who, who will be dads and who are called to, to be a father in, in some sense. Uh, I, I have a personal philosophy that regardless of whether or not you have biological children, that, that every male is called to reflect the father in some capacity. And so I'm, I'm speaking to, to all of us in general, but I'm speaking specifically to, to the males and, and then again to the dads. And here's what I want to say to you. And I, I really feel like this is from my heart as a son. It's from my heart as a pastor. And I trust it's also from the Lord. And here's, it's very simple. Never stop fathering. That's the word for you today. Never stop fathering. Some of you have older kids, and I want you to know that no matter how old those kids are, they need your voice. They need it. They need your affirmation. They need your affirmation. When they share about, they need your listening ear. They need it. It's crucial. More than you know, more than I know, more than we're aware of, when your son or your daughter calls you up and you take the time to listen and you take the time to hear what is happening within them, listen, ask questions, dive in, give them space to share, and then affirm. And I'm telling you, your affirmation becomes a part of the affirmation of the father in their lives. Never stop fathering. Some of you may, I, I sense, just have pulled back some of your involvement, maybe even some of your voice, your counsel, your coaching, your instruction. Don't do that. We, we need your counsel. We need your wisdom. We need your fathering. Don't stop fathering. I, I know that there's probably some kind of temptation to think, well, I've done my job now, and they're on their own. No, it's not true. Don't stop fathering. We need your fathering. Your role and your voice is, it's critical. It's crucial. And so we bless you. Those of you who are becoming fathers, those of you who are called to be fathers in some capacity, don't stop fathering. Keep growing. Keep learning. Keep inquiring. Spend time with other fathers. Those of you who are in a season of your life, where the hope and the dream of having biological children is no longer, I want you to know your voice, your wisdom, your presence will become a father to someone else around you. Don't stop fathering. Don't stop fathering. We need you. So happy Father's Day to all you guys. We bless you and we love you. And we're so grateful. Somebody said this today during our time of prayer before our services. They said, we've got a lot of great fathers in this house. And man, I agree. I agree. Um, the temptation, and it's a very, very real temptation. It's one as a young father that I feel very, very often. The temptation is, is I'm not doing this right. 
The temptation is, I'm, I'm so inadequate. And you know what? That's true. I am. And, and we all are. We're all, we're all insufficient to some degree to, to fully manifest and to fully reflect who Father God is to our children and to the world. The temptation there is to do one of two things, that in that deficiency or in that insufficiency, to just pull back then and to almost just give up. Don't do that. Press into the Lord and allow him to fill in those gaps and become sufficiency for you. People are, people need that. The world is counting on that. The other temptation is to go the opposite direction and in your own strength and ability and in your own willpower and almost from kind of a wrong center, say, well, I'm going to just muster up the strength and the willpower to, to you know, be the best dad, to Michael Scott that thing, you know, just, you know, world's best dad. And uh, don't do that either. <laughs> All right? Rest. Rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. He's going to give you the wisdom. He's going to give you the right words to say. When you're tired, he's going to give you the energy and the strength. When you, when you want to just zone out, he's going to help anchor you in. His grace is sufficient for you. So may the Lord bless you guys. We love you and we appreciate you today. Antioch Church, uh, today we're going to continue our installment of talking about the Sabbath. And um, I'm going to reserve a little bit of time to talk about how we as a people, corporately, are going to begin um, participating with the practice and the spirit of the Sabbath as a people. Uh, before I get into that, what I'd, what I'd like to propose, um, I'd like to propose, actually, I'd like to inquire. Let me start there. So I'll start this inquiry with a little story. Uh, earlier this week, uh, Christy and I both, unbeknownst to each other, were really going through a lot of internal, mental, uh, I'm just going to call it warfare, because now that I look back and see it for what it is, that's, that's really what it was. It was just a lot of internal garbage, um, mental accusations. You know, it's one thing to recognize that, that you're a little insufficient. It's one thing to recognize that there's inadequacies, but to recognize that in a healthy spirit and to recognize that in a way that leads you into Christ. But then there's, then there's the accusation of the enemy because that's, that's his primary job description, right? That's his DNA. He's, he's an accuser. And so he, he can take that same reality and that same revelation and he can slant it and spin it and send it at you in such a way that it just defeats you, that it makes, it makes you angry at yourself. It, it causes you to spiral down into despair. That's, that's how you can recognize and distinguish conviction from condemnation. Conviction, there's always hope in conviction. There's healing in conviction. There's life in conviction. The Lord, the Holy Spirit will convict us to lead us into truth so that freedom will become our portion. Condemnation leaves us no answers. Condemnation comes by the enemy in such a way that it causes us to want to quit or causes us to want to run or causes us to only look at the things about ourselves or the things around us that are wrong. And it is, and it is self-defeating. And so that's what was going on in me, and unbeknownst to me, that was going on in Christy, and unbeknownst to her, it was happening in me simultaneously. And yesterday, there was this, this moment 
And this is why learning the practice of tending to each other is so important in our marriages and our children and our friendships and our staffs, our employees, our neighbors, learning how to tend to God, learning how to tend to one another, learning how to practice incarnational listening, learning how to stop, pause, be silent, learning how to create space to hear what the Lord is doing in other people's lives. These skills these are evangelistic skills, these are family skills, these are, these are kingdom skills. And, and so in our conversation, she just began to open up and share some of this, this activity that was going on. And she said, Jade, I just can't explain it. I can't, I've, just have, I've, not, I've not been able to shake this. And so as I said, well, I've been experiencing the same thing. And just almost in a moment, we just said, I wonder if some of this could be spiritual. And, and, you know, we, we're, we're very careful with that. We're careful with that because we never want to just blame things on something that's spiritual that, that, that keeps us from identifying uh, very natural things to take responsibility for. But, it, but most of life, it's a marriage of the two. It's a both and. Because that's how God created us and that's how God created the cosmos. It's a marriage of material and spiritual. And so it's amazing, just as we just, just identifying that and then sitting down and praying one for another and covering each other, it just lifted. All of that hopelessness, despair, all of that accusation, all that I hate these things about myself, all of that sense of these things will never change, lifted, just gone. And so as we began processing this out together, one of the things I shared with her that I've um, discovered from my studies is, is as we enter into Sabbath, we're going to look at this here uh, in the Exodus account. As we enter into Sabbath, we have to understand that we're actually resisting a principality in our nation. We're, we're actually refusing to bow to the idolatry of self-sufficiency. We're refusing to bow to the principality of materialism this sense that we always have to get more and procure more, this sense that we always have to accomplish more, we're, we're, we're resisting the spirit of slavery. We're resisting that, that, that principality that says, you still serve Pharaoh, and you're going you're gonna to break your back and make bricks without straw, and that, that's your function in life, and that's how you're going to derive your value, and that's how you're going to derive your worth, is by what you can accomplish. We're resisting the principality that says we are God. And it's strong in this nation. And the enemy does not like that. And as we continue to process this more, there were two thoughts that arose. One was, isn't it just like the enemy for us to enter into, as a church, as a family, we've set aside the month of July to enter into a season of rest together as a people. And wouldn't it be just like the enemy to subvert that? Because, you know, here's the thing. You could cease activity and still not be entering into rest. The ceasing of activity, there's a difference between taking a day off and Sabbathing. They're not synonymous. There, there, is, there is a spiritual reflective dimension of entering into the delight of God when we choose to Sabbath, when we commit that and we submit that time to him, for him to be Lord of our time, 
for him to reorient and recenter our lives, our attitude, our thought, and even our physical man. We, we, we allow the Lord of time to reorient and recenter and redirect our lives into him, to discover him, to work in a different kind of way. Taking a day off, you can, you can take a day off and mentally and emotionally still be so wound up and so wrapped up and still, if, if, and especially if we're engaging this spirit of condemnation that internally has us still working, that internally, this is, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. When we take a day off or a week off or a month off or whatever time that is, internally, we are still trusting in ourselves to make the home family or business run. You're not Sabbathing. If anything, you know that feeling when you come back, right? And now you're just, what's that phrase we always use? I need a vacation from my vacation, right? Because we've not entered into that place of trust. Sabbath is about trust and it's about delight. And so I think there are things that, that the Lord is going to teach us this month, next month, and in our future. He's going to teach us because there is a way in God to live as individuals and families and as a community that produces the fruit of life and freedom and peace in God. And that then becomes missional in nature. It becomes attractive to the world around us where they say, how is it that you're able to do more in less? How is that possible? How is it that you're still producing and yet you're doing it with such peace? How is that possible? How is it that you keep coming up with the most creative ideas? It doesn't make sense. We're working harder and we're working faster and you're having a lot more fun doing it. What is that? And then we can say the wisdom of God and the ways of God produce the fruit of God and the fruit of God is attractive into the life of God. So the second thought that we had here as we were just processing this is I'm curious because this happens with us a lot. Sometimes as, as the point of the spear and it's not that we're more important, it's just the role and the function that we serve in this house Sometimes things will hit us uh, before it hits everybody else. Internally, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, uh, we'll, we'll just, we'll just, they'll just hit us first. And so we began praying for you. We began praying for the body. And so I'm just curious, and I want to pray for you guys right now. How many of you would say, yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, in the past few days or in the past week, as we've been entering into this, because that's what the enemy likes to do. He likes to discourage you before you can get traction. He likes to, he, he likes to pull the roots out before they, they, they take root. And if he can discourage you or intimidate you before you're rooted in a revelation, then that revelation will not take root in your life to produce the fruit of that revelation. That's what the enemy likes to do. He's smart about that. We see that in the, Israel, in the Exodus account. Right, where the enemy goes, oh, there's a deliverer coming. I know how to handle this. Just take all the babies two years old and under, or we'll just, we'll just get them before he grows old. We see this when King Herod does that with Jesus. The enemy knows that if he can get things in their seminal form, then, then, then he can subvert the multiplication of harvest. 
before, before it ever has time to take root. So all that being said, anybody else in the house that I can pray for this morning where you would say, yes, now, now that you mentioned it, I've been experiencing a little bit of warfare in my life, a little contention in, in my family, a little, a little this, this thought that, these thoughts that I haven't thought about before, I wanna pray for you. Just lift up your hand if you would. Excellent, in the name of Jesus, Lord, today, we pray for the covering of heaven right now. And we pray, oh God, that you would hide us under the shadow of your wings as a people. And Father, as we are, as we are beginning a lifelong journey of discovering new rhythms and new ways of God, Lord, we recognize that these things confront us. We recognize that there are things inside of us that are deeply, deeply entrenched and hardwired that must be undone. And we submit that to you. And we also recognize, Lord, that we have a very real enemy, that Pharaoh wants to remain in control of our lives and he wants to keep us in a state of frenzy. He, he wants to keep our soul and our mind and our emotions in a place where we are not at rest, but we resist that. And today we pray that the blood of Jesus would cover our minds, that the blood of Jesus would cover our ears and the things that enter in, would cover our eyes, would cover our mouths, that the blood of Jesus would cover our hearts, the seat of our emotions, and that we would experience and we would fight for and we would work for this true rest that is to be experienced only in Christ. And I just declare over you, Antioch, today, may the shalom peace, may the wholeness and the salvation and the jubilee and the restorative power of God rest upon you and within you in Christ's name, amen. Last week, we had just a small, short amount of time to talk about the difference between the divine Sabbath and man's Sabbath. And the principle here very simply is everything begins in God. So the idea of Sabbath is it's not a man-made principle and it's not a principle that's just made for mankind. It is a principle that, that originates from the character and from the nature of God. Now we can stop and we can say, why? Why does God need to rest? Some of that is God, God doesn't need to rest. Isaiah 40 tells us that even the young men grow weary, but man, our God will provide strength for us. So, so God doesn't need to rest. And I think as Western Americans, we, our mind is so oriented around this kind of cause and effect, functional, pragmatic. Well, we, we rest because we've worked hard. Well, then that's, that's not necessarily true because he created mankind. And the first thing that we did after we were created was have a day of rest. Our very first full day of existence after creation on the sixth day was, was he said, rest. And, and so what I want to bring to the table today, this morning, there's, there's, there's four kind of principles and practices and purposes of Sabbath, but, but I want to hone in on this thought that, that will frame the, the rest of our conversation from here moving forward, and that is one of the purposes of Sabbath is to learn how to delight in God, and it is to learn how to receive God's delight of us. And as I have been just sitting in this more deeply, I realized I don't know what it means to delight in God. I just have I've been having to ask myself these questions. Jay Duncan, what, how do you delight in God? 
Now, I know how to delight in a good glazed donut. I know how to delight, you know what I'm saying? I know how to delight in a good steak. I know how to delight in those things. I take my time. I savor, man. I tell, man, people who go out to restaurants with me, I just let them know, listen, we're going to be here for a while. We're not going to just sit here and blaze through our food, all right? We're not, we're not in the Marines, okay? We're going to take a bite. We're going to chew it slow. We're going to savor it. We're going to let the juices get all up in there. We're going to mm, mm, mm. We're going to talk. We're going to, we're going to listen, and we're going, we're going to just, we're going to, we're going to stretch it out. And I realized, man, is that the, do I do that with God? Do I do that with the Lord? So let me, let me take you to a couple of verses, familiar verses for those of us who've been in the Christian way for a while. Uh, we're gonna go first to Psalm 34, and then we're gonna go to Psalm 37, and then we're gonna go into some of these other purposes of Sabbath, and we're gonna talk about July. Psalm 34, Alyssa, let's just begin with verse one, and then we'll move down into verse uh, eight. Verse one says, I will extol the Lord at all times and his praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Now skip to verse eight. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste, taste and see. We could also probably insert in there taste and enjoy, taste and experience, taste and delight, delight. So much of delight has to do with time and it has to do with posture. Okay, let me give you an example. I gave you a little eating example there. All right, think about the time that you spend with friends. Think about the time that you spend with loved ones, spouses, children, parents, family members, all right? If, if, if all that, it's the difference between an executive meeting and hanging out by a fire pit, all right? One is functional. One is pragmatic. We need that. We need that. We need to have executive meetings. We need to get stuff done. And executive meetings isn't necessarily the time to, to delight in one another, per se. But I'm telling you, if my friendships, if all, if all that they were comprised of was just functionality, our relationship roots do not go deep. In fact, here's, here's what I know. Here's what I know. I know that when we turn our relationships and particularly our closest relationships into functional relationships alone, people start to feel used. Nobody likes to feel used. In other words, you begin to, you begin to get the sense of the only reason I have value and the only reason you have interest in me is what I can do for you, is what I can produce is my giftings, is my talents, is my time, is my back, is my labor. Okay, that's not the family of God. And we've got to be careful. I'm, I'm just going to send this out to us as a church. We have to be careful as a church that we don't set up structures and systems whereby the only way that we relate to each other is functional. Hey, did you get that done? Hey, did you show up here on time? I noticed that you did... That's not real relationship. That is an aspect 
of our relationship, but that's not real relate. Imagine talking with your spouse that way. And listen, by the way, I think some of our, some of our marital relationships have declined into that. Some of our relationships with our children have declined into that. I think we have to pay attention. We've got to constantly be taking evaluation. Is the majority of the narrative and the communication to your children just what they should be doing or what they're not doing right? No, don't do that. Israel, 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 no, don't get, get down, stop it, don't touch that, put it back, get out of the pantry, close the door. Israel, go to your room. Israel, seriously, oh my God, Israel, okay? (laughs) Did somebody just say preach? (laughs) Okay, that's not, that's not, that's not fullness of relationship. There's no, there's no delight in that. Now, that's just my reality, guys. I've got a four-year-old who's ex- extremely eccentric, loves pushing the boundaries. But if I do not carve out time intentionally to delight in my son, if I don't carve out time intentionally to speak loving words over him, to look for the things about him that I'm crazy, that I'm crazy about in a good way, because listen, the things that I'm crazy about in a not good way, they will dominate They will dominate my life. But I've got to be intentional to look for delight in him. I've got to be intentional to look for delight in my wife. Babe, pick up the groceries. Babe, what's for dinner tonight? Babe, we may make the bed. Babe, I mean, just babe, 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 babe. Like, no, no, it's baby. How are you? Right? Stop. Look. Take, Take a person in. Take them in. Delight in people. That's part of what Sabbath is about. We're going to talk a little bit more about that next week when we talk about Sabbath and community. But let's talk about that with God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. When is the last time we have tasted and we have seen that the Lord is good? This is part of the reason that we have these rhythms here when we gather together. These songs help us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Listen, when we serve the poor, we're tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. When we come to the table, we're reminded that though we were once sinners, that though we were once enemies and alienated from Christ, that he set a table for us, he became a host. And he laid out a feast, the feast of life and salvation in Christ. And he invites us, he bids us come. I'm not worthy to come. I know, come, come to my table. Come and enjoy this. You are welcome here. Come delight with me. Come experience my delight. That's what Sabbath is about. And just like we do with so many other things, we've taken this and we've twisted it and perverted it and we've made Sabbath our, 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 our master. And, and quoting, I don't know if A.J. Swoboda quoted somebody else or not or if he just came up with this with himself, but, but he said, Sabbath is a benevolent servant, but it is a malevolent master. It is a mean, cruel master when we just begin to dictate so many rules that we've got to abide by. That's not what Sabbath keeping is all about. It is about, it is about intentionally carving time in God to receive his delight and to delight in him. Here's a question for you guys. You jot this down, think about it, chew on it, process it. But how do you delight in God? What does that look like for you? How do you delight in God? And warring against principalities and wrestling demons in the spirit does not count. That's not delight. That might be a function of the Christian life. That might be part of it. 
but that's not delighting in God. I mean, when's the last time you seriously stopped and you, and you thought about an aspect or an element of his character and his nature and you allowed it to just, to just wash over you? And it was not functional, guys. Like, when is the last time you relished in the healing character of God when you didn't need healing? When's the last time that you delighted in the fact that we've got a God who provides for us our daily bread and you, didn't, you weren't desperate for provision, but you were awestruck at the fact that God is a God who faithfully provides? Think, just, just think about this. So a couple days ago, I was, as I was just spending a little extended time with the Lord on my Sabbath day, I... And it just, it was, I love this because it just is so reflective of how shallow I can be. But as I entered into a time of just deeper gratitude, I, my entry point into that was stuff. And then I just began thinking, okay, because I read this story about this man in India who'd been a missionary for 40 years, living in the, month, in the midst of just death and disease, and yet the level of delight and joy that was on this man in the midst of not having anything. And I asked myself, can I have that same level of gratitude? And can I have that same level of delight in God if I didn't have all this stuff around me? If everything broke down, was gone, was taken away, can I, can I still live with that same level of steadfast peace and grace without the stuff? And that led me into really thinking a little more deeply about salvation and delighting in salvation. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about delighting in your salvation. And when was the last time you've delighted in your salvation? Like really stop to recognize, I am no longer a slave. I am no longer under Pharaoh's rule. I am no longer commanded to make bricks without straw. I am a son, I am a daughter, and daddy, is crazy about me, like really stopping to drink that deeply, deeply, deeply. I'm not driven. I'm not driven. You were not created to be driven. Think about that. Delight in your salvation. Let's look at this other verse right here in Psalm 37. Hmm. I'm just... Lord, would you just, just let this settle in deeply on us, oh God. Father, we ask that you would, you would teach us how to pause. You would teach us how to slow. God, you would teach us, Lord, teach us how to listen. Father, we recognize that we're not good listeners. Lord, we have so many things around us that are entertaining and they're distracting. And so many of those things are really good too. Lord, help us to discern and to distinguish the difference between escapism and really resting and being restored in you. You know, there was, there was, there was, there were times where, and I, I just didn't have the maturity or the discipline or the understanding to recognize I'm tired and I need to rest, but I was going to wrong sources 
for rest. And really what I was doing, I was escaping, right? I was escaping in TV shows or escaping in iPhones games or just escape, just vegging out. And that, that is not restorative. It's like cotton candy, right? Like nice and big and fluffy and poofy. And you're thinking, oh man, this is going to be really, really, nope, man, it just dissolves quickly. Super sweet in the moment, but nothing's, it just, it, it can't sustain you. And it does, guys. Listen, Bonnie read the scripture today. We'll, we'll read it again in Hebrews 4. But the scripture says, strive to enter into that rest. This is a discipline. Mike said this last week, and I loved it. He said, man, I, this, is really, this is really challenging me because I'm realizing that I've, I've got to, I've, I've got I've to work a little harder in my preparation in order for me to enter into rest. And so then we revert back to, again, the guys, the guys who lived in this and are still living in this today, thousands and thousands of years. Some people said that the Sabbath, that the Jews kept the Sabbath, but there was one wise rabbi said it was actually the Sabbath that kept the Jews. Thousands of years. Thousands of years living in a rhythm living in a cycle of grace, living where there was continual input into sustaining life in God. And so we recognize and we realize that the Jewish people had a day of preparation for Sabbath. It's like, you know, when you get to get ready to go on vacation, sometimes you got to hustle in order to slow, in order to do nothing. Or like you're going on a camping trip or a backpacking trip or you're going to Disney World or wherever it is you're going, going to go take a trip to the ocean, going up to the mountain cabin. You got to pull things together. You got to pull out your inventory list. You got to wash clothes. You got you to you pull all the things out of the garage. You got to shake them all out. You got to make sure, like that takes work. But then that, that extra work is so you can enter into a new kind of reprieve. All right? It's like having a meaningful dinner. It takes a lot of work. A few, few weeks ago, my mother and father-in-law had a 50-year anniversary and me and the three brother-in-laws, we were in the kitchen all day long. But then when it was done, it was done and we were able to enter into a new kind of relationship. We were able to enjoy being Poppy's testimony of 50 years of marriage in a way because we made preparation for it. So yeah, this, this, this takes some new disciplines and we're not gonna master it overnight. We're not going to master it immediately. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's what Sabbath is, learning to delight in God. What this does not mean is that he'll then give us whatever we name and claim and whatever we want. That's, that's not what this means. What this means is that he will begin to fashion our desires so that our desires are actually what his desires already are. It's a different emphasis. It's not that he will give us what we desire. It's he will give us his desires. That is where when Jesus says, come unto me, all of you who are weak 
and you're just burned out and you're tired. And he says, I'll give you rest. Then he says, right after that, my yoke is easy. Well, first of all, Jesus, it's a yoke. You guys know what a yoke is, right? A yoke is those wooden things they put on oxen. How is that supposed to be easy? It's easy because I'm shouldering the majority of it. He says, enter into where I am, who I am, and what I'm doing, and I will shoulder the weight of this, and you're walking alongside me in this. You with me on that? My yoke is easy because I'm carrying it. When we're carrying our own yoke and he's not on the other side, that's heavy, and that destroys us. Four things here for us to think about very quickly. So you might be saying, okay, this is all great stuff, but what do I do? It's funny, I, the, the guy I referenced last week, he, he travels around the nation and he teaches and preaches on Sabbath. And he says, my number one question is what do I do? What do I do? He says, it's just such, it's such an American question. We are so oriented to doing and doing and doing that we wanna know what do we do on the Sabbath? So let's talk about what we do on the Sabbath. All right, here we go. Ready? Number one, stop. What is the Sabbath for? What is the Sabbath designed for? It's designed for stopping. I've got, I've got dishes in the sink on Thursday night, waking up Friday morning. That For now, for this season of our lives, Friday works just best for us right now. And yeah, there's dishes there. There's, there's, uh, there's a garage that is just needs to be organized. There's clothes that need to be washed. There's stuff, there, there were all, there was perpetually stuff to do. There, that's not the issue. The issue of there's stuff to do, that's not the issue. It's not the issue. Because let me ask you this, in the there's stuff to do, in you taking that time to do those things, did it solve the problem the following week of there's stuff to do? Did it, did it, did it solve the problem? There will always be stuff to do. So on Sabbath day, we, we learn how to stop. And this, this is why this is important. Uh, this is a greater theological thought here for us. But when God created man and woman, number one, he created us in a physical body. Number two, he created us and he put us in space that has limits. Number three, he put us in time, which has limits. Number four, we have, we have intellectual, we have physical limits. Every one of us have limits. And it, it's, it's an arrogant posture. And I'm gonna say that because that was my posture. I used to, I used to say, I, I, it's almost like we like to take glory in, in breaking our limits. We like to assume that we don't have limits. And I love it because A.J. Swoboda, as he's talking about this, his aha moment was this. He was sitting, he was sitting in a board of finance directors for his church when they, when they entered into their first year of participating in Sabbath as a church. And the finance team got together and they said, you're, you're going to tank the church. We can't do this. You can't do this. And in that moment, here's what, AJ, here's what Pastor A.J. realized. He said, you know what? If I violated any of the 10 commandments, I'd be fired. If I cheated on my wife, do not commit adultery, I'd be fired. If I had a divorce, I'd be fired. If I stole, I'd be fired. If I murdered, I'd definitely be fired, 
right? But then I realized that if I violated the Sabbath, I wouldn't be fired, I'd get a promotion. I realized in that moment, something is grossly wrong here. That if I violate this one of the 10 commandments, I wouldn't get fired, I'd actually, I'd actually get praised for that. And we have to stop, but we've got to think about, we have to think about the fact that there's something in us that resists limitations. And it's that same thing that was in the garden. Remember in the garden, what was the temptation when the serpent came to Eve and Adam, because he was standing right there next to her, and he says, God knows that if you take this fruit, you will be like him. And so the temptation for us is in an unhealthy way to be like God, where we resist the limits on our lives. Now, I, I realize there are some limits that we need to resist, and there are some limits that we need to oppose. But I think, by and large, the prophetic word for us is that there are limits that we need to embrace. We need to embrace the fact that part of the theology of humanity is that we were created with limitation. Beth Felker Jones says it like this in her book, Practical Theology. She says, to be created as human is to be created with limits. To be human is to have limitation. And Sabbath helps us to surrender to limitation and to embrace those limits. One of the guys that I like listening to, a guy by the name of Pete Scazzaro, who is now in his mid-60s, is actually speaking to his generation and helping them to become discipled into older age. And I've just been listening to this, and it's really, really fascinating because he says, we have a problem in America with growing old. We have a problem with growing old. Like my friend Kurt here says, growing old's not for sissies. You know, and guys, listen, I'm only 40. I'm, I'm young. But listen, at 40, I'm not as resilient as I was at 20. Man, I'm telling you, I pull an all-nighter at 20. I do two of those, three of those things back to back. I'm like, Superman, don't get sick. Bring it on. I pull an all-nighter now. I'm tanked for a week. I'm a sissy. I'm like, I'm like crying. Just using it as an excuse to be grouchy. <laughs> Babe, I didn't sleep well. She's like, welcome to my world, Jack. I never sleep well. <laughs> Part of the process of growing older is learning how to embrace the limitations that come with that and surrender that to God and learn how to find God in our limitations and to see him and to discover him in our limitations. Okay, number two. So part of Sabbath is stopping. Stop it, stop, stop, stop. Shut things down, shut things off. Cease striving and know that I'm God. Number two, it's rest. Part of the purpose of Sabbath is rest. I, 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 for some of you guys, I need to take a little guilt off of you. The, the guilt that is on some of us for, for delighting. I mean, there are some of you who've not taken your family out on a vacation because you feel guilty. And let me just lift that off of you. That's not God. That is not the Lord. You spend money to take your wife out for a nice meal, don't feel guilty about that. Take that off of you. We rejoice with you. We have to learn how to be a community that helps each other do this. 
I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. So most of us, when we talk about, hey, how are you doing? Dude, I'm so busy. We just, we relish in that. You know why that is? Because that's, that, that gets applauded. That gets applauded. You know what rarely gets applauded? Where you say, man, I just took, I took a month off. Man, I took a month off and I enjoyed my family. And we went and you're like, and then all of a sudden this envy and this, oh my God. But right, think about that. I guarantee you, if I, if I told you, yep, I'm taking, you know, anybody in this room, you had conversation with them and they're like, yeah, I just took a month off. You, you'd start judging them. Oh my God, irresponsible, slothful, <laughs> lazy. Right? That's, the, why, why is it? Look, look at how upside down that is. Think about this. Look at how upside down that is. And what does that perpetuate? It perpetuates this pseudo self that our first foot forward is, dude, I'm just doing so much. I'm just churning it out. So busy. Great. Hey, listen, listen. You guys are all hard workers. Great job. We bless you. Take a break. Not impressed. Not impressed. I'm being a little facetious there. But listen, we have to create a culture. Now, and listen, we, and we'll, we'll get to there. We'll get to the balancing out on being responsible and diligent and good stewards and working hard because all that's biblical and right and well. But I don't, that, that's, that's not the prophetic word for us. That's not, the, the prophetic word is how are we orienting ourselves to learning how to stop and learning how to rest? All right, here, third thing that we do in Sabbath is we delight. We learn how to delight. We take time. We reflect. We move slowly. You know what God was doing on the seventh day? On the seventh day, he, first day, boom, it was good. Second day, boom, it was good. Third day, boom, it was good. On the seventh day, he looks back over all of it and he goes, this is very good. What is that? He's taking delight too. Telling you, he's taking it in. He is pausing to reflect on the beauty of his work. He is pausing to receive the fruit of his creativity and his labor, and he's enjoying it. Some of you don't enjoy, you've not stopped to enjoy your hard work. Do that, stop and look at the designs, the blog, the book, the whatever you guys do. <laughs> enjoy it. Delight in it. Be proud of it. Part of delight is also play. The word recreation means to recreate. It means to create again or to create afresh or to create anew. Do you know what happens when we, we, we recreate? We're being renewed. Some of your best ideas are not gonna come by banging your head out in a cubicle trying to get a great idea. Telling you, some of your best ideas come when you're not thinking about that and you're fishing or you're swimming or you're romping through a river or you're sitting down contemplatively looking at the it just That's when some of your best ideas are gonna come because you have put yourself in a state of recreation. All right, four things. So stop, rest, delight. I'm, I, guys, I'm just hitting this on a super superficial level. I know you guys know this, but number four is to contemplate. Contemplate. Sabbath is a time to enter into a different kind of work. Sabbath is a kind, so I, so I have now, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm tinkering with all these different, how am I gonna do this? And so I actually have a book of the scriptures that this is just my Sabbath scriptures, my Sabbath book. 
So I've got my regular routine, but, and then I've got my sermon prep. But unless I, unless I enter into something different, I'm just gonna read everything so I can have a good sermon for you guys. And that, that, is, that is the preacher's trap. That's the preacher's trap. The preacher's trap is that all I do is I just gobble up information and the only reason I go to this is so I have something decent to say every week. That's the preacher's trap. And so I've got to find, how am I drawing life from God that is separate from this, that I'm delighted? So contemplate. Ask yourself some of those deeper level questions. So how are we? Come on up, Jonathan, if you would, please. So here's how we're going to participate with this. I'm, I'm going to give you the seed idea of this today, and we'll expound on this next week as we talk about Sabbath in community. So in the month of July, there's five Sundays in July. The first Sunday we're not gonna meet here in this building. We're going to a park. We're gonna worship outside and we're gonna play and we're gonna enjoy. All right, yeah, I know all of you logistical people are like, well, what about, what about? Yes, yes, we're on it. We're on it. We'll figure it out. And I probably, hey, at the end of the day, after July 1st, guess what? We'll still be together. <laughs> We'll still, we'll still be friends and family and God will still be ruling the cosmos even if we don't get all those details mapped out. The most important detail you know is to bring some good food and be ready to share, okay? I don't care what the sound sounds like on that day. I care about being together with you. I care about slow conversations. I care about looking into your eyes. I care about meeting people I've not met yet. I care about dominating some people in some sports. I really care about that. <laughs> Matt said trying to. Come on up here, table ministers. I'm almost done with this. So that's our first Sunday of July. At our welcome table in the foyer, we actually have a little, we've, we've thought through some of this. All this is, this is called service in the park tips for success. All right, so we've got, we've got the date, we've got the time, we've got the location. The greatest tip for success for you is don't, don't, roll, don't be rolling up at 10 a.m. That's probably the greatest tip for success for you because some of the parking there is limited. Some of you may have to park across the street at an elementary school there. Plan to show up like at 9.50 because, you know, those of you guys who have kids, we're not going to have childcare that day. So, you know, you're going to want to try to have your kids corralled together. You're going to bring your lawn chairs or bring your picnic blankets, get your food all settled. So just come a little bit earlier. That's, that's probably the biggest tip for success. But take a look at this, read this. We're gonna have a day of enjoying God, worshiping him in his creation and praying for the neighborhoods around us. The following Sundays, we are going to have an abridged service. Our goal is an hour long service. And we're gonna scale everything down. We're not gonna have all the worship musicians up here. And what this does is this frees them up to not have to come in on Saturday night. These guys who, who minister unto the Lord for our participation, these guys give three to four hours every Saturday. And we're saying rest. We're not gonna have words on the screen because we're saying to our visuals, rest. We're not gonna have K through sixth grade. We, we have to have at least one class and we're gonna designate that class from one year old to three year olds. And we've had some ideas on how to make that happen. One of which is our staff is gonna step in and we're gonna serve our one to three year olds. And that's gonna give some of our nursery workers a time of rest. Um, if there are some of you who are here in this house and you've not entered into the ministry of service yet, 
as you've kind of been feeling your way through Antioch, man, we invite you to consider maybe joining us, but that's really gonna be one of the main things that's happening in terms of a, of a, of a volunteer ministry. So what can you expect in the month of July? Number one, you can expect to encounter God in a different way. Number two, we're creating space. So at 11 o'clock, we're gonna go from 10 to 11 at 11 o'clock, man, hopefully you become a little bit, a little hungry for the people that are around you. Man, take them out. Invite people to your house, go to a park, enjoy one another, counter one another, experience one another, find God together. We're gonna create space for that. We want our volunteer ministry to know that we value them. Guys, we're in this for the next 500 years. We're not in this for the next five. Jesus may come back, I don't know, but if he doesn't, I want us to be healthy. I want us to be vibrant. I want us to enjoy what we're doing. I want us to love being a part of the family of God together and serving one another. That's one of the goals here. And so if you guys have questions, we've, we've kind of pulled together several different groups of leaders in our church. We've walked through some of the brainstorming. We've walked through some of the troubleshooting. But if there are some of those that you have major concerns about, guys, feel free to email me personally or email the church or talk with one of your small group leaders. Bring that to us because you might be seeing something that we're not seeing. We don't want to make light of this. We know that there are a lot of administrative responsibilities that need to be done. But the goal is we're going to stop We're going to rest. We're going to delight. And we're going to contemplate. Would you stand with me to your feet this morning? As we come to this table, we're going to come in a posture to receive the rest and the delight that God has purchased for us in his son, Jesus. The enemy is an awful master, but Jesus is a gracious Lord. And he provides rest to our souls and to our bodies and our minds and our relationships. So Father, today we pray that at this table we would encounter Jesus afresh. Holy Spirit, we know that you are here and we entreat you today to be present, to be present in a very unique way as we respond to the invitation to the table. And we reiterate today your words, Jesus, to us to come unto me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. So we come to the giver and the author of our rest today to receive deeply from you by virtue of your life and your death, your resurrection, your ascension, and the sending of your spirit to us. In Jesus' name. I want to invite you to the table of the Lord today to exit on the outside.